Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. Let's um, dive into the word here. We're going to be getting into it in just a minute. Let's say our declaration. If you're new to us today and you just kind of walked in today, this is a declaration that we say every week to align our hearts with what's going on. And this is really our focus for this year. So we're in September of this year. All right. I mean, we're going to be putting up Christmas trees soon. They're already in the gross, uh, in the uh, in the uh, stores. They're already, you know, putting all that stuff out. This year has flown by. Um, have you grown in the Word? Have has have you seen your life like? Because if we don't see evidence of this, then something's wrong. We're we're doing it wrong. We should have seen this year in our lives some fruit that aligns certain areas of our life that were kind of out of alignment, bringing it back into alignment with the word of God. And so I hope that you've seen some fruit. It might not be as much fruit as you wanted, but I want to encourage you, celebrate any fruit. Like celebrate the little things that you do because the enemy is the voice of discouragement. He'll say, yeah, but you got that big old other problem over here. And then you'll get all discouraged and forget about the fruit that you are bearing. So just celebrate the small things. Let's say it together like we mean it, okay? I will constantly guard my heart and align it with God's holy word for everything I do flows from it. All right, go ahead and turn in your Bibles. This is probably our last Leviticus chapter 10. This is probably our last message in this. I'm going to try to close this out uh, today. And Leviticus chapter 10 is where I started us and I left off uh, last week, just couldn't finish the message up. And in this series, we've been talking about the glory of God. We've been talking about Uh, how to steward God's glory, how to manifest God's glory. Like God manifests his glory, but he manifests it in response to our actions and our attitude. God very seldomly shows up where he's not wanted. Like he, he occasionally will, but he really manifests his presence where he's wanted. And so in this series, if you miss some of it, if you've just joined us in the past few weeks, I, I would encourage you go online and listen to some of these messages because we've gone through things that, are, what, what attracts God's presence? Like what's my posture supposed to be in God's presence? And there's some really good stuff in there. And what's the purpose of this gathering, the purpose of this gathering is uh, is really to have God's glory come into the place. And sometimes, uh, you know, God He will manifest Himself one way one week, and He'll manifest Himself some other way in another week. But God, we should never leave this room that we call the sanctuary of God. We should never leave this room without experiencing the glory of God. And some people have a very narrow vision, understanding of what God's glory is. They think that, 
uh, God's glory is when the worship team on stage uh, just hits that really sweet anointed spot and uh, the crowd makes the connection and we're all in unity in worship and praise and there's just this, you can just sense it in the atmosphere and that is glory. That is the glory of God. But there's also, you can feel the glory of God um, sometimes in the teaching of the word. Like a light bulb will go off in your mind and heart. Like something you didn't know or God begins to speak to you from the word. That's the glory of God being manifest through the logos, the word of God. God might just speak something directly to you. That's the glory of God. God may heal somebody in a service. That's the glory of God. Like he manifests himself in myriad ways. So today, before you leave, my prayer is that you have felt the glory of God, experienced the glory of God, have been made aware of the kabod, the glory of God, and that we would never be a place of Ichabod where God's glory has departed and he's not, he's not on that. He's not touching that. Amen? All right, so vertical is about our rela vertical relationship with the Lord. And I talked to you last week about entitlement. And we talked a little bit about, you know, that word and what it evokes. We, we've heard a lot in our culture today about people who are entitled. And we get a little bit upset uh, when we hear that word because entitled really means that, you know, I deserve this. And really, as believers, we don't deserve anything because we've fallen and we've fallen short of God's glory. We don't deserve for God to show up outside of him. But can I tell you, we do deserve God to show up because we don't stand on the other side of the cross. We stand on this side of the cross now. And so on that side of the cross, I didn't deserve it. But on this side of the cross, I do deserve it. Why? Because I'm an heir. The scripture says I'm co-heirs with Christ. I'm an heir on this side. An heir is entitled to an inheritance. That's why he's called an heir. An inheritance. And my inheritance as a child of God is an audience with my father. Is an audience with the king of kings, is an audience with the Lord of lords. So I am entitled, and if you are in Christ, we're entitled for God to show up. We're entitled to it. But on this side of the cross, no. On this side of the cross, yes. I'm on this side of the cross. What side of the cross are you on? A lot of times when we come into the house of God, we will get confused on what this gathering is supposed to be about. And we will walk in with a lot of entitlement. You know, I mean, I've heard people, I literally have heard people say things. I haven't ever heard anybody in our church say that. Um, and I think it's because we've laid such a good foundation. But I've been a part of other churches. See, I've been in the church since I was 15 years old. So I've been around for a minute and I've experienced a lot of church culture growing up and I've experienced people that they didn't really understand 
like biblical values and structure and things like that. And so they would have an entitlement. I remember I had a conversation with a man one time, and he went to our church that I was on staff at. I don't know why he was telling me this, but we were just in a conversation, and he was telling me about years ago, he was at a church somewhere over in the Chickasaw area, and he said, um, you know, I went to this church, and the preacher, he, you know, ugh, anytime everybody ever calls you preacher, that just kind of sends shivers up my spine. Um, but the preacher, he wasn't doing what we wanted him to do. Oh, you devil. You son of Beelzebub. You manipulator. That's what the enemy is about. He's about manipulation and control. The preacher wasn't, he wasn't doing what we wanted him to do. And I just, I just held my tide back. I'm like, I was young, man. I was in my 20s. Now, I'm twice that. And I'm sorry. If somebody just busts up in my face with some ignorance like that, you could, you just go, I'm just going to have to show somebody their ignorance. But, you know, he's, I'm, I'm in my 20s, and I'm actually intimidated by this guy because he's big, and he's, like, he's got that personality that's even bigger. And he's like, yeah, I just held my tithe back. I, you know, and uh, we're going to hit him where it hurts. We're going to hit him where it hurts, and, you know, we just, we're going to show him. I'm like, first of all, you're showing your ignorance because it's not your tithe. The scripture calls it the Lord's tithe. It's the Lord's tithe. It's that belongs to him. I'm the one who went to work and made it. Yeah, but he put the breath in your nostrils that you could live. And he gave you everything that you needed to be able to go do that. You ain't got nothing. You didn't do nothing to get into this world by yourself. Nothing. It was all by the grace of God. And so he says, you know, we keep, you know, I'm just going to keep my tithe. First of all, it's not yours. Secondly, you don't understand what the tithe is for. Thirdly, uh, you're performing witchcraft. That is white witchcraft. You know, black witchcraft is just that it's in your face, Satanism. But white witchcraft is that thing where, you know, it's still witchcraft, but it looks spiritual. You know, we're just going to manipulate. Jesus said manipulation, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Like he didn't even know it. Like he's operating. And I'm like, you're even showing your ignorance more because the scripture says, don't touch the anointed of God. Amen. Why? Because anointed ones are called by God. They're chosen by God. Don't touch them. I will deal with them. And God will deal with them way better than you will. Or I will. That's why any place that I've ever been that, you know, like I no longer can carry the vision of, of a leader. Like I leave that place 
And I've always, never once, hear me, never once have I ever left on bad terms. Never once. I also have never snuck out in the dark of night. Never. I've always sat with my leaders and told them what God was doing in me. And sometimes, you know, it it was to share, like, my heart is not here and I don't agree with some of the things that are happening here. And it didn't change their mind. But I didn't get on the phone and go, Myrtle, I just want you to know I'm leaving. And I'm trying to influence you now, you know. But I know the pastor, he didn't come see you last week in the hospital. I'm not trying to start it. I didn't do any of that. It's not my place to do that. It's the place of God to deal. But why is it? In this whole entitlement thing that we'll get upset about other people. But like I asked you last week. Why is it that we're okay with approaching God with the spirit of entitlement? That we feel entitled to certain things. We feel entitled. Like, listen. If you got a song suggestion for the worship team. You can suggest it. And then they'll take it and they'll pray about it. I'll pray about it. And we might or we might not do. If it doesn't strike the feel or the chord of what God is speaking in our house, then, then we won't. But there are people that, are, that feel entitled to tell the worship team what they should sing and what songs they don't like. Had a guy one time come to me and I'm like, he's got on my last nerve. I ain't lying to you now. Y'all think pastors love all church people? Well, they don't. We got to love them in Jesus' name. But we ain't got to like them. I tell my family, love is what holds you together when you don't like each other. Like, I got to love you, but I don't have to like it. And I had this guy, man, he would come to me and he would come. And it's like every service afterwards, you know, he's like, preacher, I just wanted you to know, don't call me preacher. I just want you to know, we don't need to sing that song anymore. What song is that? The one that's up there talking about uh, Jesus and was born. And I'm like, well, he was born. And he's like, yeah, but that song says he's the firstborn of creation. I'm like, yeah, because that's scripture. Well, he wasn't born. He's all, and I'm like, I don't even know what we're talking about. It's literally the whole first verse of the song is just scripture. It's just straight out of the scripture. It's like the Psalms. It's, and it was the verse of scripture. I can't recall it right off the top of my head. Some of you guys may know it, but it's the one that says he is the firstborn of creation. All right. And what that means And this guy was a doctor. Now, I don't know where he got his doctorate in theology from. You know, he could have got it from preachersrus.com. I don't know where he got it from. But he had a preacherology degree. And I said, but listen, you should know this. Because you have a theology degree, doctorate. You should know this. 
when the scripture talks about the firstborn of creation, it's talking about Jesus is the heir. The firstborn, it's not talking about Jesus was the firstborn like Jesus was created. What it's talking about, he's the firstborn of all creation. The firstborn in any family in Jewish, not in American, not in other culture, in Judaism, in Judaic culture, the firstborn was the one with the birthright. He was the one that all the blessing passed to. So when we're singing that, so I'm really getting too deep in, into that. The point that I'm trying to make is he felt entitled. Like, why is it that we feel entitled when we come to God's house? I think we've done a great job by, not, by creating a culture where we don't have to experience that very much. His wife came up to me one day, and I promise you this will be the last story that I tell about entitlement. His wife came up to me one Sunday, and I was talking to somebody, and she stood, and she stood, and she stood. And I'm like, man, she, I'm not joking. I'm not exaggerating. She stood for like 10 minutes, and I'm ministering to this couple, and I'm like, I don't know what she's got. She's got something important. And now this is the entitled doctors of theology's wife, all right? And she said, um, preacher, I just wanted you to know, like, y'all don't need to use those green lights anymore. And I'm like, what are you talking about? The green lights. Y'all don't need to use the green lights. Because when you're standing up there on the stage, you look like the Incredible Hulk. I don't know what to say to stupidity like that. <laughs> like you literally waited 10 minutes to say something like that to me? What? Why? Because there's a spirit of entitlement. And we have to be careful. Like, listen, when we come into this room, this is the house of God. This is the place where God's glory comes this is the place where what we're doing, we're focusing on the glory of God. That manifests, he manifests himself in myriad different ways to us. Like, it's not about us, it's about him. It's, a, it's about him. And listen, I don't want to step on, all, on your toes and everything too much today. Because I feel like I do that a lot around here. But we, we have... Uh, you know, we have things that we have learned out of bad behavior and a lack of knowledge from the scripture. And there are people, myself included, that have grown up in church. We've been in church for a long time. We've read a lot. But, you know, I'm just telling you, the word is deep. The word is wide. The word is like... There's a lot in there I do not know. And people will come to me a lot of times and they'll ask me questions like, you know, hey, what does this mean? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have to get back to you. What do you mean you don't know? No, because they, they don't have enough. Like there's not enough theology courses in all the seminaries in the world to cover everything, you know, in four years. There's just not. 
And so there's stuff in the word that I'm still learning today. Like I'm a student of it. And you know, um, like the more that I'm in the word, I'll realize that there are some things I've agreed to that people have said. And I'm like, I have to come back and go, oh yeah, I don't agree with that. Because I, le- I learned in the scripture, it's a, there's a different way. Does that make sense? And so anyway, I'm going to move on from that to, to just say that when we come into this place, your number one concern should always be, will I experience the glory of God today? That should be your number one concern, not... Um, if I like the songs or not, not that, not who's speaking today, not that, not, man, I hope the preacher's not in a teaching mode today. I hope he's been listening to T.D. Jakes and he's got that spirit of T.D. Jakes on him, you know, where he's like, you know, I'm tearing it up, I'm tearing it up, I'm tearing it up, get ready, get ready, get ready, you know, I hope. None of that should be your concern. Your your concern should, am I going to experience the glory of God? That's our number one experience. Because he's going to do it in different ways and different methods and different mediums. But as we dive in, I just want to share with you this. That how we host the glory of God, it matters to him. How we host. Like, for instance... When we come into this house, there's a way that we host the presence of God. And there's different things that are acceptable in different places. Now, we do things at Destiny. I hope hope you're getting something from this. We do things at Destiny that won't be acceptable at at another church. But that's fine because they're hosting God their way. And we're hosting God how we host And as long as it doesn't violate anything in scripture, we're good. But, you know, like in our place, like you can bring your coffee into the sanctuary. We don't, I don't care. We don't care. But now in some churches, you ain't going to bring coffee into the sanctuary. Like, you know, I'm I'm going to mess with my buddy Trayton real quick. You know, Trayton. He always sporting those cool hats. Have you ever noticed that black people can wear hats better than white people? <laughs> I ain't lying. I've, I've gone to try to buy me some hats sometimes and I'm like, man, this cool looking hat. I put it on and I'm like, it looks dumb on me. <laughs> I can't even wear a ball cap. Good. But in some houses... Of worship, you ain't gonna wear a hat inside, you know, and that you know that's fine somewhere else. But we're not talking about that kind of stuff. We're talking about a heart issue. How we host the glory of God matters. The priority that we place on His presence matters. In some houses of worship, you are. You are never going to leave without a sermon. You're just never going to leave without a sermon. Why? Because the, the person here places such a priority on it. Sometimes, stick with me now. Stick with me. Don't cut me off. 
Sometimes the person up here places a higher priority on it for the day than God does. Because God was ministering some other way. But because I like to hear myself talk and preach. I served with a preacher one time. I'm like, for the love of God, he loves to hear himself talk. He just loves himself. And we're going to have a message. Holy Spirit might be doing something amazing and crazy, and, but, but that's going to have to come to a stop because i got to preach. Hey, I'm just telling you, hosting the glory of God is the primary thing. And he can do it through the message. He can do it through the music. He can do it through a time of ministry here in the altar. However God chooses to do it. That's why we say this little phrase around here from time to time. God, today I've come to encounter your presence, his glory. And however you choose to do it, we say yes to that. Amen? Like, however you choose to do it. However you choose to do it, we say yes to that. And so, how? say it with me on the screen. How we host the glory of God matters to him. So let me jump in to Leviticus chapter 10 real quick. Now, I read a little bit of this uh, to you last week. And where we were, we were talking about uh, the dedication of the tabernacle. And the tabernacle is the tent that's set up where they're going to go and worship him. It's the old ancient version of a modern day church. And so they're dedicating this. The priests have been dedicated. They're dedicating the tabernacle. And um, in Leviticus chapters 1 through 9, uh, all of the ceremonies are happening. And God's giving his, his uh, requirements, so to speak, of how he wants things done. How we present offerings to the Lord. And certain offerings were for certain things. And there was... A brazen altar right in the middle with the flame. The Lord somehow lit that. Don't know if it was a lightning strike. Don't know if it was poof just there. But somehow the Lord lit the brazen altar. That was supposed to constantly be uh, uh, kept burning. And then the priests were supposed to take coals and fire from the brazen altar into the holy place and light the altar of incense behind that curtain is the most holy place where only the high priest could go once a year. And so they were supposed to take fire from there and offer it uh, uh, and, and light the altar of incense. Well, incense always represented praise, prayer going up. All right. So think about this. Our praise and prayers come from the brazen altar, the altar of sacrifice. Until you've sacrificed your life on the altar at the cross, until you've sacrificed yourself and it's like you've laid your life down for him, you can't even really give true praise. You can't even really give true worship. That's why people who are not in relationship with the Lord cannot worship him. Follow, stick with me. Follow me for just a second. I'm telling you what, if you have laid your life on the altar and you are consumed by the fire of God and it's like, God, less of you, more of me, burn up anything in my life. If that's who you are, 
When you get back here to the altar of incense and, and uh, dude, you, you, you're going to praise. You're going to worship. Do you understand what I'm saying? But if you have not been at that place of sacrifice where you've laid yourself before the Lord and you've just said, God, I give you everything. I give you everything in my life. I dedicate my house, my kids, my money, my, my job. I, I, and, and at the last, what is it? Romans 12, one and two, where Paul says, give your body to the Lord. Just give your body. I, I didn't give everything. I ain't got anything left to give. You got your body. Give your body to the Lord. Give every part of yourself to the Lord. When you've done that, you can offer up true praise and worship. But somebody who has not got to that place in their life, they truly can't give up worship. They can come in and they can sing songs. They, they can come in and they can experience the, the atmosphere that's going on in the room. They can experience it. But there's nothing really going on internally. But when you've been on the altar and you've been fully consumed and the way you come in, you're about to host, you can easily praise the Lord. Like it takes nothing. You don't need the person on the stage to to, to cheer you in, come on, man, we, come, I'm trying to get you, you know, <laughs> pumped up for Jesus. You know, you don't need that. You don't need it if they're playing the most crazy songs that you don't even like. You don't need it if the sound is all messed up. You don't need it. Like, I'm telling you, Shay and I were down in Mexico Years ago, and we were in this uh, Mexico City. We were in this church. I was young, ignorant, you know, <laughs> did not know a whole lot about ministry. as my very first mission trip I've ever been on. We went to this church. You remember it? That little church. They had, um, they had this one guy. I cannot remember that little guy's name. Rafael, Jorge, something. I don't know. He's over there. He's sitting down. On his little chair. And he ain't got but two strings on his guitar. I'm not lying. Two strings on his guitar. And we're going we're, we're gonna, to we're gonna worship. You know, we're going to lead. We learn these songs in Spanish. But we're singing them to a track. You know what I'm saying? We got a little cassette. Some of these folks in here are so young, they don't even remember cassettes. But we got, we got a cassette over there. And if that one is playing, you know, open the eyes of it don't matter. We got a backup, <laughs> you know, pss, oops, pss, open the, we're good to go. Oh, Jorge over here. He ain't got the two strings on his guitar. He probably ain't even ever heard any of those songs, but Jorge is going to play with us. Are you kidding me? Oh, Jorge, he's got, he's got more strings on his guitar than he's got teeth in his head. And I'm not even joking. He's just sitting over there. But Jorge, all right, stay with me. Jorge is over there sitting on his guitar with his two strings. And he's listening to us sing. It's not really pretty. He probably has never heard the songs before. Can I, can I pick on black folks for a, for a second? 
I just heard Shay say, oh, goodness. <laughs> y'all know something. Because, listen, if y'all got a multicultural church, and we do, yeah. A to the men, yeah. uh, we're going to have to appreciate all of our cultural differences, and we're going to have to pick on each other every now and then. Because you know I'm a picker. But I'll tell you something. White folks, they just start you sometimes. And they're like, uh, hey, man, we're going to sing this. And it's like, I don't have the sheet music for that. <laughs> we, we can't do that. I, I'm unfamiliar with that one, and I don't have the sheet music. Black folks. <laughs> Black folks. Totally. Totally. Oh, Cedric back there on the, on the uh, keyboard. You know what I'm saying? And we get up there. We're going to sing something. Cedric don't know the song. He don't know the song. But Cedric, he's going to be back there. He's going. Dun, 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 dun. You know, they gonna find it. You know what I'm saying? They gonna find it. While old Bob is still on his phone trying to pull up worshipleaders.com, the chord charts and stuff. You know what I'm saying? What, what am I saying? What am I saying? It's about hosting the glory. It's the heart of how we come into it. And the heart is what matters. And oh, Jorge back here on his two strings, God was listening and just intent in that. But I was too young and naive to see it. It's not about everything being just like perfect. That's why old Cedric back there is like, you know, ding, 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 ding. Oh, man, sometimes white folks will be coming unglued. What's your problem, man? What are you doing? Just, we don't. But Jorge, uh, uh, sorry, I'm getting Jorge and Cedric messed up. <laughs> Cedric, he's anointed. Cedric knows how to get in touch with the Holy Ghost. And Getting in touch with the Holy Ghost for him sounds a little bit like ding, 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 ding. Oh, there it is. I found it. I found that anointed key and takes off. Listen, I truly don't care if it looks production worthy. I don't care if, you know, it looks like something that ought to be on Netflix. I, I don't care about anything like that. At the end of the day, I want to know, have we been in the presence of God? Do we know he's here or is he not? And so in the temple, what was, uh, or sorry, in the tabernacle, because the tabernacle was the portable temple. In the tabernacle, what was happening meant they just got all of this download from God. They know how they're supposed to set it up. And so here we look at it. Let me really try to uh, find my place. Y'all remember, if you weren't here last week, I'm just going, you know, y'all just going to have to catch up on your own or go read it in Leviticus chapter 10. What happened is... Uh, Nadab, Nadab, and Abihu, the two sons of Aaron, the high priest, they were going in to light the altar of incense. Mm, there's some preaching right there. 
They were going in to light the altar of incense. Like, man, you don't, you don't just mess with prayer, intercession. You don't just mess with worship. Like, that is not something in the worship team. Y'all ought to be hearing this. This is not something to take lightly. We don't just offer anything up. They were going in and they were lighting the altar of incense. And when they did, the glory of God, the glory leapt out, the fire of God leapt out and consumed them. In other words, consumed their life. Their bodies were still there. We know that because um, Moses called for some of his cousins to, to take them out. All right. And so verse four, let's read there. Can you back up to that last part of the line before it where Aaron was silent? Who's Aaron? Their dad and the high priest. Aaron was silent. His sons were just fried. He was silent. There's a reason why he was silent. Why? Because you're in charge. You're in charge. Like, how did this happen on your watch? You are in charge. Those boys have been raised in the priesthood their entire life. They, this, is, this is something they should already know how to do. And so, um, so here we go. Verse 4, then Moses called for Mishael and uh, Elzaphan, Aaron's cousins, the son of Aaron's uncles, Uziel. He said to them, come forward and carry out the bodies of your relatives in front of the sanctuary to a place outside the camp. So they came forward, picked them up. And uh, by their garments and carried them outside the camp, just as Moses had commanded. And then Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Eleazar and Ithamar, don't grieve by uh, leaving your hair uncombed or by tearing your clothes. If you do, you'll die. And the Lord's anger will strike the whole community of Israel. However, the Israelites, your relatives, may mourn because the Lord's fiery destruction of Nadab and Abihu. But you must not leave the entrance of the tabernacle or you will die. For you have been anointed with the Lord's anointing oil. So they did as Moses commanded. Just stop there for just a second. What happened is he's saying the people of Israel can mourn, but you can't. You need to show up here tomorrow because you got a job to do. You, you need to show up here. And this happened because of you. This didn't happen because God got ticked off. This happened because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. And you did not host the glory of God with reverence. Aren't y'all glad we, we don't live on this side of the cross? Jesus, how many times have I messed up? How many times has Rife stepped into the pulpit? How many times have I been in the flesh while I've stood up here? Thank God I don't live on that side. I live on this side where God has his Holy Spirit to correct me and teach me and discipline me. Instead of just being crispy over here, you know, just fried. I'm so thankful that I live on this side of the cross. He said, but you can't mourn. Show up tomorrow here. You need to have your face washed, your clothes pressed, and comb your hair. Show up. And, and listen, 
God, God is just mean, ain't he? No, he's not. This ain't, this ain't Aaron's first rodeo with, um, well, let me say it like this. This ain't the first time Aaron fell off the rodeo horse. Remember last week I talked to you about when Moses is up on the mountain of Sinai and he's getting the commandments and the people are like, we don't know what happened to him and he's been gone for a long time. Can you melt down? Can, can you make us a God, an idol that we can worship? And Aaron, instead of being the man, y'all stick with me. Well, I'm just going to hold my tithe back till the preacher does what I want him to. Remember that guy? Remember that guy? Well, that's what the people of Israel, like, uh, of Israel are. Hey, we don't know what happened to them. So we're going to do this. Why don't you make us an idol? And so instead of Aaron saying, why don't you go back to your tent? You follow me? Why don't y'all go back to your tent? And I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to wait because the man of God is up on the mountain. And he said he'd return. And we know something's happening up there because it's thundering and clapping and all kinds of stuff. We know something's happening. So go back to your tent and shut your mouth. And when the man of God comes down, he'll tell us what to do. And then the priest, me, we'll get to doing it. Are you following me? He didn't do that. He melted it down hey, out there having, uh, having praise orgies. They're performing pagan acts and calling the idol their God who delivered them from Egypt. That is the Aaron that failed. He fell off the rodeo horse. So the second time he falls off, listen, you can mess up once. You can't keep, up mess, you can't keep messing up. You can't keep messing up, guys. Because at some point, it's, I, I didn't make a mistake. At some point, no, you, ch you made a choice. You're making a choice to live this way. It actually becomes rebellion at that point. And so show up here tomorrow because this is going to stop. And so what happened in this whole thing where they offered up strange fire, the scripture says. In my version of scripture, it says the wrong kind of fire. And people don't know because the scripture doesn't tell us. They don't know, like, what does that fully mean? And some people have thought, well, maybe they took a different kind of fire. Like, they just uh, circumvented the altar and they just maybe got some fire from their tent. You know, I'm just going to take this with me. I'm just going to kind of offer this up, this shortcut. People have thought maybe that was it. People have thought, well, maybe it was because, you know, their heart was not right before the Lord. And on down in the verses a little bit later, Mo, uh, Aaron, yeah, Moses, sorry, gives the uh, priesthood a different Stick with me. A, a new rule. And the new rule was you're not going to be drunk and you're not even going to drink when you're presenting sacrifices. 
Like you're not going to have, you're not going to come to the temple and have just drunk. Let me see if I can find it for you right quick. Uh, Verse 8. He says, "Then, then the Lord said to Aaron, you and your descendants must never drink wine or any other alcoholic drink before coming into the temple. If you do, you're going to die. And this is a permanent. How long is permanent? Permanent. It's a permanent law for you. And it must be observed from generation to generation. A lot of theologians think that because this came in scripture right after what just happened, their death, a lot of people think they came to the house of God inebriated, drunk, and they were disrespectfully. Have you ever seen somebody who's drunk? I grew up in a family of alcoholics. I've seen my fair share. I've seen my, grand, uh, my grandmother, whom I love dearly, in some very, 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 very awkward situations where I, as like a 10-year-old boy, had to help clothe my naked grandmother. That will scar a kid for life. I've never seen somebody drunk that was stately. That they looked respectable. Do you understand what I'm saying? Never seen anybody like that. I, 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 you know, I've seen them, you know, staggering and walking and, you know, I've seen all that. And so they believe that because this was said right after this, that they came into the temple who are supposed to be the most respected people and handling the things of God with reverence that they came in and they were just like, man, just clanging pans and dropping stuff everywhere. And it's like, "Mm -mm. that's not how we come into the house of God. That's not how we, now listen, if y'all, if y'all are digging this and getting it deep, then I shouldn't just come up here and play the drums any way I want to. And, you know, uh, like I really hadn't put a whole lot of thought into it before Sunday morning at seven o'clock. You follow me? Why? Because there's a way that we enter into the presence of God. Like I shouldn't just come into the house of God and go, you know, I just, I mean, would you want me to, to do this? Would you want me to come and stand before you and I'm trying to hear and speak for God? And I'm like, uh, I just really, I ain't talked to God a whole lot this week. And, um, you know, I just didn't have time. Like, I'm telling you, I have been in churches where, um, you know, they, the, the little old lady gets up with her sheet of paper and she's like, Y'all going to have to pray for me because I, uh, I hadn't had time to. Anybody been in a church like that? Yeah. It's just me. I'm just that country from Mississippi. Y'all just going to have to pray for me because um, I hadn't had time to um, learn the words. So I'm just going to have to hold the words and y'all just worship with me. No, sit down. <laughs> sit down. Because if you ain't had time to learn the words, 
If you ain't gone over this more than just a, a minute or two before Sunday morning, sit down! Because I don't want you trying to carry me into the glory of God when you, I'm not even sure you know how to get there. Like there is a way that we need to come into the glory of God. And if you're hearing me, I mean, it literally can, can affect every single thing that we do. The way that you run media, the way that you lead the children in the back, the way that you do ministry in here, the way that you greet people, it, it will help you in how you interact in your jobs, in your family, when you've been in the glory of God. Shay and I were talking this week and one of the conversations that we were having and it was a, um, and I, I just said, well, babe, let's just do this. All right, and I'm not going to go into the details of that conversation. I said, let's just do this. Let's just bless them, okay? They don't deserve it. Their actions have not shown it. If anything, if I was acting in my flesh, I would, you know, want to tell them, you, know, you can take this and you can, you know, in my flesh. But I said, the Bible says that we're supposed to bless our enemies. So let's just bless. I mean, they probably don't consider themselves my enemy and I don't consider them my enemy either. But I certainly don't uh, see them as somebody who's working in kingdom work with us. So I'm like, but you know what? I ain't in charge of them. At the end of the day, I'm not going to have to stand before Jesus with that guy and say, uh, and Jesus is going to look at me and say, uh, well, Rife, can you give an account for him? And, uh, well, Jesus, I'm just going to tell you, like, he didn't do this and this uh, t for me or to me or whatever. Or he did this. And, like, I'm, that's not how that's going to go. He's going to have to stand before the maker, and I'm going to stand before the maker, and i got to answer for me. And so I'm just going, like, let's just, let's host the glory of God in our life. Are you following me? Because we host the glory outside of this room. You are the Holy Spirit's temple that when you leave outside of this room, you're going to host him. And I don't know, there, I know there are young uh, folks in here that I'm like, at some point they'll, they'll catch this stuff and maybe they'll catch some of it today. But when you go back to your school, you host the glory of God. Elias, you host the glory of God. You host the, uh, the glory of God. And when you go in there and you've got your little buddies at school saying, you know, let's, let's don't be his friend. Okay. Let's don't be his friend. Let's just don't even sit with him at lunch. Let's just, let's don't talk to him. No, my friend, if you have the glory of God and you're in the fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever, it doesn't matter if you're a kid or if you're an adult, if you host the glory of God, something inside of you is going to say, no, that's not how we treat people. That's not how we treat people. No, why don't we go talk to him and invite him into our group? We're not gonna do that. Well, I am. So be it. You don't need those kind of friends. Because you host the glory of God. We host him. And I'm going to close. So if you want to come and uh, just play us some stopping music. Don't get too anointed over there, Cedric, because these people want to go to lunch. 
Um, why would they offer strange fire? Why would Nadab and Abihu, why would Rife, why would Butch, why would Josh, why would Lucy, why, why, why would Mike, why, why would Craig offer strange fire to the Lord? And a lot of times there's an entitlement, there's an arrogance. Well, I give a lot of money to this church. No, you don't. You give it to the Lord. Well, I, I serve a lot at this church. I serve this church a lot. No, you serve the Lord or you serve yourself. And if you serve yourself, then the Lord says, verily I say unto you, you already have your reward. Don't worry about anything in heaven from that because you already have your reward. Sometimes ego does it. <laughs> Pastor Rife, that... that that don't happen. Oh, my friend, that happens all the time. Erica, I've had people, I, th- I don't know if I told you this or not. I've had people to ask me why I use you so much and I don't use them. And I, this is what I said to them. I said, here's the reason. This woman is submitted to the vision and heart of this house. I don't know how long you've been coming. Four years. Not one time, not one time have I ever had to put out a fire that Erica started. Not one time. But if you stand up here, you represent... The kingdom first, God, you represent the kingdom first, but you also represent this house. And I'm putting fires out for you all the time. Which tells me you don't carry the heart of this house. And that person, what happened to them? They moved on to a different ministry where they can do ministry. And I'm... Like, I don't know. I'm not judging that place. That's their business, what they do. Uh, Maybe he's not causing them as many problems as he did here. But I'm like, I'm constantly fixing stuff. And you're constantly offending people. But isn't it ironic that people who walk in offense constantly offend people? The irony of it. Like, you're going to get offended by everything, but you are so offensive. You can't carry the glory in this house like that. You can't do it. And there's a spirit of entitlement. Like, you know, well, I'm older than she is. I have more experience than she is does. And I'm like, yes, but she has a submitted, teachable heart of this house. I've heard her ask me so many times. Pastor Rive, you know, Teach me this. Or Pastor Rife, do you see anything that can be corrected in my life? This other person never once, never once. I got something to say. I got something to say. But they never want to be teachable. And that's a spirit of entitlement. And listen. I got over the fact that I am not the best speaker in the world. I got over. 
It took me a while to get over it. I struggled with it for a long time in my ministry. But I am not the best speaker in the world. I know that. But I am not trying to wax eloquent for you. All I want to do is just be a mouthpiece and discipler. Be a mouthpiece for God and be a discipler of people. I want to help you be the best version of you that God intended you to be. And then these other things are an agenda, a priority or a preference over God's. That's what an agenda is. There are times people, they come in with an agenda. Like they, people come into your life with an agenda. You come in, I come in sometimes with an agenda. And it's like, when we come into this room, there's no agenda, just God. That's all it is. Don't offer strange fire to the Lord. Don't go to your job tomorrow with a spirit of entitlement. If your boss decides to give a promotion to somebody over you and you've been there longer, doesn't mean you can't have a conversation with your boss about it. But who is the master of your life? The Lord or your boss? God will open up a door, even if it's at another company. Don't have an agenda over God's. Unsanctified. Leviticus chapter 10, uh, verses 8 through 10 that I talked to you about where maybe they came in and they were drunk. And maybe that's why Aaron, uh, Moses gave that new law to Aaron. I don't know the answer to that. But sometimes, you know, people are unsanctified. And you can't be unsanctified. And we constantly are cleaning ourselves. David said, search my heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit, a righteous spirit in me. You know, you're going to take a bath tonight or a shower. And you're going to take one tomorrow. And hopefully one again the next day. You're not just going to take a shower and just, I'm done for good. I'm just, I'm good from here on out. No, you're not. Life is going to happen. You're going to, when you come into this place, you're going to need to crawl up on the altar and sacrifice yourself because you're ticked off at Mabel because Mabel uh, undercut you at work and you're dealing with bitterness or whatever, you know, and there's all kinds of things that happen in your private world during the week that when you come into this place or even into that place, you need to be carrying the uh, the glory of God and you have to sanctify yourself. I've been at jobs before while I'm walking from my car to my classroom. I'm going, God, please give me the strength today to make it with these teachers, you know, because they would talk down to me because I was a paraprofessional, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, in my world, I got more education than you do. I'm older than you are. You know, that's in my world. It, it didn't matter. They were the leader and I was an assistant. And they would talk down to me and, you know, be derogatory and everything. And I'm like, Jesus, 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 you're going to have to help me today. And I just submit myself to you. And God helped me to go in here to serve these folks. Because I just, you know, I don't need to operate out of attitude. When we come into here, we have to be sanctified when we're doing this. Meaning... Our attitude's got to be right. Our lifestyle has to be right. And then generational patterns. 
This is so important, man, right here. Generational patterns. There are people that you don't know why you do what you do. You just did it because Mama did it and Papa did it and Granny did it and, you know, Aunt Skeeter did it and all these people. Like, you just do it because that's... And I'm like, hey, there are some generational patterns that need to stop. Well, that's just the way I am. I'm just going to speak my mind. No! You do not have to speak your mind. You can shut your mouth and you can be godly with the spirit, fruit of the spirit, of self-control. I have control over this. I can stop my mouth from telling my mind what it's supposed to. I can stop all that and I can be spirit-led. There are some generational patterns that they that sometimes we might offer well this is just a way that i've always seen it done in church well sometimes you've been taught wrong hopefully it hadn't been here but if so point it out and we'll correct it because we're teachable i'm teachable and in exodus chapter 32 that's where aaron you know think about this his sons they had seen their their father operate. They had seen how their father did ministry. They have, had seen. I'm not sure that they were alive at the time. I'd have to go back and look at all the dates in scripture. I'm not sure they were alive at the time where uh, Aaron went ahead and made the golden calf. I'm not sure they were alive. But anyway, the fact of the matter is Aaron had some weaknesses and they saw that and they saw how things were done and those were passed on to their generation. So these are some ways that we can sometimes offer strange fire. And I'm telling you what, until you begin to look at yourself with a, uh, with, with tr a true heart of saying, God, please search my heart. You won't even know it's there. Why? Because I grew up with so many generational things in my life. And then as I grew up and I started really trying to align myself with his word, I started seeing all these unhealthy patterns in my life that go back a few at least two generations in my family. And I'm like, you know what? I'm breaking that. I'm breaking that off of me. I'm not going to continue in that. So how do we come before God? And this is where we're fixing to go home. The atonement, you got to crawl on this altar. Let Holy Spirit consume you. Holy, you got to come before the Lord holy. I'm just telling you, you're not going to be able to live a lifestyle of sin and be able to uh, have an intimate relationship with God. Forgive me for being so bold, but God is not going to let you whore around on him. He is not going to let you go and you profane yourself with the things of the world and then you want to come be intimate with God. He's not going to do that. He said, I am a jealous God. In other words, I just want you for myself and I will not share you with another. You got to be holy. And then the last thing is sacrifice. Come up here sacrifice yourself but always bring a sacrifice there is always a present an offering to be given to the lord and sometimes the present is your body 
Wes is offering his body right now to the Lord. Sometimes it's a gift financially and it's your tithe. It's an offering to the Lord. Sometimes it's just your mind and words to the Lord in worship. But always bring a gift. Never leave the house of God without leaving a gift before him. So Pastor Rife, I hear what you're saying and I'm going to take this. Say this with me. How we host the glory of God matters to him. And so let's apply it, okay? Stand with me and we're going to pray. How do you activate what I've just shared with you? Are you a consumer or are you a contributor? Did I come to church just to get today? Or am I a contributor? What areas of sacrifice are you missing? I just gave you three areas of sacrifice. One was yourself, submitting yourself to the Lord. Uh, the other, holiness, like a lifestyle of holiness. The other was bringing a gift to the Lord, showing up at the house of God with something to give unto him. Which of those sacrifices are you missing? Heart, relational, I'm not connecting with God. Your soul, are you emotionally connected with him during worship? Uh, strength, physically and fiscally. Physically, what we're doing in ministry, but fiscally, financially. And then this, mind, am I growing in knowledge and application to the word? Because listen to me, church. If you heard this today, and it stays here. This ain't Vegas. This is not Vegas. What happens here does not stay here. What happens here goes with you out there. And you put into practice what you learn here into your life out there.